Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to yet another edition of the KWUR Theater of the Air. I'm David Reinstrom. My name is David Brunel Brutman. And tonight, spooky times. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be so spooky that you will probably be spooked. Be spooked indeed. Spooked to the point of soiling yourself. So, find yourself a comfortable, clean place in your home to sit. Spread out some newspaper, maybe some plastic wrap. Make sure you're wearing a raincoat. And prepare yourself for the sluice this of terror that will leave your body. This got really inappropriate right away. Oh, it did. It did. I apologize. That didn't, that didn't take long at all. <laughs> it never does with me. <laughs> no, it, it really doesn't. Tonight, uh, scary things for yes. you to listen to. If you are spooked easily, um, get one of your less easily spooked friends to tie you to to your chair. You must listen. You're like Odysseus, <laughs> and you have to pass through the sirens, so have your friends tie you to the mast. Except you won't be tempted by them. You'll be horrified by them. Yes. So, really, that's not a very good metaphor. No. At all. You know what? I'm leaving. I- I'm tired of this. Okay. Always uh, sniping at each My other? name is David Brunel Brunel. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a solo cast this week of the KWR <laughs> Theater of the Air. Uh, and, ooh. Okay, David really did leave. It's, it's awfully quiet in here. Hello? Who's there? Who's at the door? Oh, no. Oh, my God. They're coming. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am so sorry. Wait, David. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Why are you barricading the door? Because there are zombies outside. Ladies and gentlemen, there are zombies outside. There is the wolf man. And the wolf man. And Frankenstein's monster. And Frankenstein's monster. And Abbott. And Abbott? And Costello. Oh, right, and they Costello. They are all outside trying to get into the station. Ladies and gentlemen, we may have to take a hatchet to these horrors from beyond the pale. I am so sorry. I did not mean to yell at you. I love you. You're special. You're important. We're friends forever. Don't let Abbott and Costello eat my brains. I promise, David, I will never let Abbott and Costello eat your brains. Don't let the wolfman eat my pancreas. I cannot make that promise. Don't let Frankenstein's monster get at my pineal glands, because I need those. This is getting really specific. Well, you know, I mean, they're very picky. Well, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps while we defend uh, or, or while we defend ourselves from this horde of the ravenous undead, uh, we could go to a, a uh, an episode of a show. That's a good idea. Where do we keep the shotgun in the studio? Uh, Hold on, I'll look for it. I, you know, I think it might be in the bathroom. The bathroom? Well, sometimes there are the... The bathroom's <laughs> outside the air studio. There are things that crawl out of the toilet, and it's, you know, you need the shotgun. Well, I'm going to go look for the shovel. That's okay. Gotta, that's got to be under the table. In the somewhere. meantime, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps you would like to listen to the first episode of Simon Colt. This is Simon Colt and the monster of Horse Killed Canyon. Ooh, I found it. Enjoy. It's not every day you see a man that looks like he's sewn together. I'm Simon Colt. You must think I'm just an old man who's lost too many fights, but I've seen things. Things you've only heard about in whispers. I've seen the glow in a demon's eyes and airships 400 feet across hung in the sky like cherries on a tree. I've heard a banshee shriek in the night. If you don't believe me, believe my scars, like these three cuts here on my arm. 
Believe this scar and my story of how we knocked over Crookston's bank, of how five men left that town and only two came back. Believe in the monster of Horse Killed King. Gunshots, a nice way to start a bank robbery. I'm sorry, it just went off. Everyone calm down. But apologizing after one is asking for trouble. I mean, calm as cattle, understand? My associate over there has a delicate disposition. And you wouldn't want to ruin that disposition, would you? No, sir. I recognize those scars and those six guns. That's Simon Cole. Good. Then you know we're not fooling around. Let's keep this transaction professional. Don't even think of us as bank robbers. We're just two customers making a large withdrawal, right? Right, right, sir. Now, do your profession proud and place that withdrawal in this sack here. All right, sir. How much will you be withdrawing today? Every damn dollar you got. Right, sir. Of course, sir. Simon, cover that bank teller while he grabs it all. I'll look after our audience here. Yep. With luck, Craig might have ignored that shot. You sons of bitches, I said quiet. I said no shots. Your withdrawal, sir? Settle down, we got what we came for. What we've got is the attention of every law-abiding citizen who heard that shot. Let's go. Thanks for your cooperation, folks. You might want to find a different bank, though. This one's just been cleaned out. I heard firing. What happened? Where's your nephew? Covering the bank. Call him. We're making tracks. Trouble? Could be. Hear that? Sounds like horses. Sounds like a posse. Vamps! Yeah? We're leaving. Did we get it? Yeah, we got it. How much? Can I see? Later. All right. Let's ride. from the sheriff's guns into a wasteland of rock. Hard riding, not riding. Damn! Problem, boy? It's my horse. He practically fell from under me. Small wonder. Wasted little thing probably burned away a hundred pounds on the ride over here. This would be a good place to stop. Just let him rest here. You killed him! You shot him in the head! We don't have time. Ride with your uncle. Most men would say William Craig outgunned me for cruelty. Sometimes I'd have to agree. He hired us, a five-man job. Craig was the boss, Lee Birch, my partner in the bank, did the talking. Thomas Grinyard and his nephew, Fip, provided the firepower. And me, I was insurance. Expensive insurance. But my face meant we hardly ever had to pull out our pistols. Except against the law, man. Come on, giddy up! Yeah! Not such a bad trail to be on, is it, Simon? Not bad at all. Whoa! All right. Take a good look at those canyons, boys. Because that's where we're going. Mind being a little more specific? Right there between those two buttes. 
There's caves in there that go down for miles. We'll wait there until that posse breaks up. Then we'll divide the loot, go our separate ways. Jesus Christ, look at them rocks, Simon. Like orange teeth. So God's an artist. Hope he has a soft spot for bank robbers. Come on, boys. Sooner we're out of sight, the better. dark. I can't see anything. This is home for the next few weeks, so get acquainted with it. There's enough caves in these rocks to make the sheriff think twice about searching all of them. Make yourself cozy. I'm getting firewood. Right. One more thing. Your bullets. I want them. All of them. What? By the sound of it, there's more than two dozen men in that posse. Only five of us. If they find us, bullets is only going to kill some of them, make the rest angrier. Now I got four outlaws with hot tempers and a sheriff who'll sure as hell know where I am if there's a gunshot out here. I take away the bullets, I take away the chance of one of you being dumb enough to use them. I don't like this, Craig. Well, good thing this ain't a democracy. I'm in charge, and now I've got my gun drawn. So bullets, now. Good. I'll be back soon. I was about to draw on him. I really was. He just pulled our teeth. Bill Craig, the most cautious man this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, why? Up in St. Louis, Craig used to be a banker's clerk. Damn good one, too, I heard. That is, until he met Miss Sally O'Neill. Pretty girl, that Sally. At least that's what I've heard. Pretty, yes. Craig was head over heels, but Sally demanded a rich wedding right then and there. A bank clerk makes a decent wage, but not that decent. So she needled him, squawked at him, until the bank clerk robbed his own bank. Got away with it, too. <laughs> so, after the heat's off, and Miss Sally O'Neill's got her money for a nice wedding, does she marry old Craig? Nope. What? Why? Because it turns out, Miss O'Neill's a gambler with hefty bills to pay. So she took the bank money and gave it to every card shark she owned, then skipped town. And now here's Craig. No money, no woman, and now a fugitive. Damn. Yes, sir. You won't find a man more careful with his money. Not after that. You're faster than Craig, Simon. You could have drawn on him. Why didn't you? Because Craig's right. Lee let off a shot on accident in the bank, and your nephew looks green enough to be planted. Craig's got a sense for these things. How do you figure? Stories I heard said Craig's father left him when he was a babe. His mom died of a fever when he was 14, eldest of a big family. Folks said before he became a banker, he turned to cattle rustling to survive. If he's a rustler who lived, he might know a thing or two about keeping out of harm's way. What if we need our guns? Then we'll just have to hope old Craig gives us our bullets. Firewood. Hand me that pan over there by my horse. Well, there's dinner. I'm sure they think the same thing about us. Eerie enough. You ever seen what a pack of wolves can do to livestock? No. 
tears them apart. Nothing left but bones and gristle. I'd appreciate you not scaring my nephew, Lee. I'm not scared. Of course he's not. How old are you, boy? Near 17, give or take a few weeks. Grown. Old enough to rob banks. Why are you traveling with Tom here? He's not the type to appreciate company. He's my sister's son. Got into some trouble back home, fighting and drinking. Came to me with a note saying there just wasn't enough wild in Virginia anymore for a young buck like him. Mom said if I was fixing to be an outlaw, I should learn from the best. <laughs> Why, Thomas Grinier, I never figured you for one to take in straight. You ever hear the story about these caves? Another story, Lee? I'm a storyteller, Simon. Couldn't help it if I tried. I've told stories from New York to Texas. Some of those stories are about you. Is this one? No. This one's about these canyons and these wolves and how outlaws go missing around here, sending back horses without riders. The Apaches don't come around these parts anymore. The Apaches don't come around here because the Mexicans killed most of them and then the army killed the rest. If you're done jawing, supper's getting cold. There weren't any other stories that night, and the only sounds were the wind and the wolves outside. Every howl made Grinyard's nephew wince, but it was the wind that got to me. It blows through caves, turns them into pipe organs. A certain kind of man can imagine all kinds of monsters making those sounds. We bedded down, and Craig put the boy on first watch. We woke to screams. What the hell was that? Something that'll attract the sheriff's attention. Damn sure. We should consider relocating. Get Phipps. We're moving. He's gone, Craig. Along with the horses. What? He was standing by those rocks? Yeah. Nothing there but blood. Let me see. Jesus. A lot of it, too. It's on your hands now. What do you mean? You sent him out there alone. The sheriff's out there, too. All Phipps had was a gun without bullets and a knife he didn't know how to use. Hold on a sec. This wasn't the sheriff. How do you know? If it was the sheriff, why isn't he here right now aiming a shotgun at all of us? Maybe he could have thought Phipps was alone. He could have... You're missing something else. That's Phipps, and it don't sound like he's just whistling Dixie. Sounds like wolves to me. They'd attack humans if they were hungry enough. Then let's pull them off of him. Tom, you're a tracker. You can find him. We won't need to. We'll just follow the blood. Give us our bullets, Craig. No! The sheriff might not hear those screams over the wind. I wouldn't bet he'll miss a gunshot. He's my nephew, Craig. My kin. No. William, please. No. We do this my way. Let's... Uh, what is it? My pack feels lighter than normal. The loot's gone. I don't give a damn about the loot. Craig, we've got to go. What are you waiting for? 
a damn lot of money, Tom. I'm not just gonna... He's dying out there! We've gotta track him down. All right. First, we find him. Then we'll see about the loot. Like Tom said, follow the blood. We followed that gruesome trail for what seemed like miles. Seems one person shouldn't have that much blood to lose. The more of it we saw, the darker Tom's mood got. It stops here, at this hole. Wait, I think it goes down a ways. Hand me that torch. I'll go down first. It doesn't go down far. widens out a bit. Can you see him? It's too dark. He's hard to make out. I can see his torch. I've got decent night vision. Let me look. Damn, it's dark. I can't see... Wait. He's over there! Right there! Can you see him? Yeah. Fifth is on some rocks down the tunnel. Craig's going over to him. Jesus. Tom! He's... He's hurt bad. All ripped open. I, I can't see how the wolves did this. I think he's... Is he alive? Yes. He's moving. Fitz. Fitz, are you all right? Thank you, Jesus. Fitz. He's... He's starting to shake, Tom. I can't... What's going on? What can you see? It's hard to tell. Craig's blocking my view. Jesus. Fitz, get back. What is it? Jesus Christ! Fips! Get back, damn it! Simon, for Christ's sakes, what's going on? He's shooting Fips, Simon! What the hell's going on? It's on me. Lord have mercy. It's coming for us! What is, Simon? What just, is? Just... Run for the love of God! Run! We ran from it. We ran from it. Every time we wanted to stop, every time we wanted to catch our breath, we didn't. We could hear it behind us. Deep, hungry breath right over our shoulders. Until we finally lost it. I think we can stop a second. What is it, Simon? We can't be running from Phipps. You heard Bill. He said Phipps could barely move. What the hell were we running from? I don't know. I've seen things that could stop a man's heart, but that, I don't know what that was. It was a werewolf. How the hell do you know that? You don't travel as much as me without hearing some fancy tales. What's this got to do with Phipps? One of these stories I heard is about beasts of us. Part wolf and part man. It's, it's like a disease. If one of those things bitch you every full moon, you'd become just, just like a beast. A demon who'd kill his own brother. Well, I'll tell you another story. Bill saw Phipps hurt and went crazy with guilt. He pulled out his own gun and... It's the truth, Tom. Simon. I saw it. One minute Phipps was on the ground, leaking like a bucket of blood with holes. The next he's tearing through Bill. If there's anything I've learned over the years, Tom, it's that circumstances change, and you gotta change with them. I don't understand any of this. There's not always time to understand. 
I saw Bill pump six shots into that thing at point-blank range, as near as I'm speaking to you now, and it didn't bat an eye. Lee, how do we hurt it? Even better, how do we kill it? Silver. You need to hit its heart with a bit of silver, like an arrow, or, or a knife blade, or a... Uh... Silver bullet? Yeah. That, that might work. Our bullets are all lead, and Craig had all of them anyway. You fancy going back there to get him? No, but if we had a bit of silver, we could make bullets. You were a gunsmith a while back. Do you have any silver in your knife, your belt buckle, spurs? I'm an outlaw, Simon. Where in the hell would I get enough money to buy silver anything? Hell, the only silver for miles was probably in that bank loot that we don't have anymore. I... I wouldn't be so sure of that. Uh, I stole it. <laughs> when Craig was sleeping. Son of a... Tom, if he hadn't taken it, we'd have no chance. He may be a bastard for trying to keep it all for himself, <laughs> but right now I'm damn glad he did. That's mighty kind, Simon. Had things gone differently, you'd have come down with lead poisoning or hemp fever. But now, we've got other concerns. Like killing whatever Phipps turned into. Why? The horizon looks pretty tempting to me. Without horses, that thing will run us down. The only way out of this is bloody. What do you think, Tom? Big game like that? I'd say a trap, with its favorite meal as bait. Yeah? What's that? Us. Not us, Simon. Me. I'll sit out in the open while you two hide. Once it comes running, bushwhack the damn thing. Bit dangerous, Tom. If you can think of something better, go ahead. If not, let's see how much silver the bank had on hand. Guess that's my cue. He opened the bag and let it spill out. Some paper money, but also gold and above all, silver. I was once on ether's account of a punctured lung. Seeing that metal had the same effect. Calms you with joy. True outlaws love gold and silver like most men love women. I never did meet a woman who looked and sounded as good as those coins did. Two bags of silver coins. Worth thousands. Maybe tens of thousands of dollars. How much do you think we'll need to melt down? All of it. In case one of us misses. Hand it here. I could have sworn Lee shed a tear as Tom took out his bullet rendering tools from his pack. It took some time, and every passing second we knew the thing was getting closer. But in the end, it was enough silver for a full barrel for each of us, and a little extra. Here, this place looks good. Only one way in, a clear center, and rocks on either side. You loaded? Yeah, Tom. Then head up on those rocks. All right, you ready, boys? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. Why don't we just get its attention? As I was out walking one morning for pleasure, I saw a young cowpoker riding along. His hat was thrown back, and his spurs were jingling. And as he approached, he was singing this song. Whoopie-tie-yo, get along, little doggies. It's your misfortune and none of my... Well, come on in, Fitz. I've been waiting for you. Ah! 
Sorry, Tom. Oh, that old tune. Well, it's about time. Can't have me going wild like Phipps did, I suppose. A few requests? Sure, Tom. The loot. You still got it? Yeah. We put it back in the sack. Give it here. There. See? No reason to apologize. I'm dying rich and with my boots on. That's more than most bandits get anyway. Think it's about time you finish that song, Simon. Be seeing you. Be seeing you, Tom. You think a moment of silence is in order? Yep. What? Damn it! It's the first one! Is there a reason why your trigger finger was sleeping, or do you just not like me? I'm sorry, Simon. I just can't shoot. Not well. So that's why I didn't hear your shots at Phipps. And that's why I left the shot off in the bank. A couple of years back, I was, I was getting ready to pose for a picture, and cameraman gave me a pistol for looks and forgot it was loaded. And As he was handing it to me, it went off and blew a hole clear through my right palm. I never did learn to shoot with my left. You might want to do that. You know what they call an outlaw who can't shoot? What? Deceased. Simon, you got some marks on your shoulder. Those rocks are sharp. Damn thing pushed me into them. Looks like bite marks to me, Simon. Where are you going with this, Lee? I think you know, Simon. Hold it. You right there. Drop the gun. Sheriff! This is a shotgun. Lets you drop that arm. Next word you say is gonna be in front of the pearly gates. How'd you find us, Sheriff? Heard the shots. You boys know better than to draw on each other when you're hiding out. You know, Sheriff, I'm actually looking forward to sleeping in jail tonight. As a matter of fact, cold stone and barred windows are gonna help me sleep better than silk. Well, that's it. But right now I'm guessing you're still wondering about those marks on my arm. Was it the beast or those rocks that made them? You'll just have to wait for a full moon to find out. My head's full of stories like that. Stories that'll warm your blood with hope or cool it with fear. Some of them are simple but strange like what happened to Phipps. Some leave me up for hours at night thinking. I often think about how I lost a finger to the tombstone witch. Stay a while and you'll find out how.
And you're listening to the KWUR Theater of the Air here on KWUR Clayton 90.3 FM. We are back. Yes, we are indeed. And uh, we have a bit of an update on yes. our our uh, zombie horde wolfman situation here. Things are rapidly maturing. Yes, uh, the the wolfman burst in here and grabbed our shotgun, and then proceeded to, oddly enough, go out and uh, Fight proceed off. to yeah. blow the heads off the zombie horde. Uh, he's still out there. We're not we're not really sure what is going on at this point. We've pretty much barricaded ourselves inside the studio uh, in order to avoid, you know, having our entrails and brains eaten. By zombies. But uh, we will give you more updates as uh, as this story develops. But right now we're going to take a short musical break. I think uh, I think you'll find this apropos.
you want to be a real-life superhero? Well, you can, just by donating blood. Did you know one pint of blood can save up to three lives? Donating blood is a real way to make a big difference. Be a hero. Visit www.bloodsaves.com to find out more. And we're back here on Kworth Theater of the Air. All right. Hold on. Let me just... Am I... Uh, I got the thing. Yeah, here on uh, KWUR 90.3 FM. And uh, we have in the studio now... Hello. uh, The Wolfman. Yes. uh, Who... Greetings. ...just recently saved our lives here from a horrible zombie horde. Thank you, Mr. Wolfman. You're welcome. Uh, It's Wolfman, actually. Wolfman. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm... Hello. uh, My name's Roger Wolfman, DDS, Esquire. Um, well, we're really glad to have no, you. No, I, I mean, it's my pleasure. Here in the studio, Mr. Wolfman. Thank you yes. so much. Thank you for saving our, our collective high For saving our lives. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you hadn't come along, we were, we were initially, I'm not going to lie, mm-hmm. terrified Completely of you. Just... And we thought you were going to murder us with your hands and your mouth. Uh, and then you, you showed us that uh, perhaps there's another side. The, you to know, the Wolfman. You know, I couldn't agree more, Dave. Uh, it's interesting because this happens to be uh, tomorrow is the uh, is the fall equinox, right? Yes. Uh, and yes. and that happens to coincide with um, National Awareness Week. Uh, it's being it's being sponsored by uh, uh, Awareness Week. Awareness. That's A apostrophe W E R E. N-E-S-S. Right, okay, o- Awareness Week. Awareness Week. It's, it's part of the, the, the Understand Lycanthropy push being put forward by the, uh, the American Werewolves United group. American Werewolves United. A- A-W-U. W- your, your advocacy organization is called AWU? Well, yeah, but we just, we just call it the United most of the time. Right. Or the, the group, the, the advocacy. AWU. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the thing is with this country is that is that people just have this grossly distorted uh, impression of what werewolf kind is, and well, I know I certainly did before. Absolutely, uh, fifteen minutes ago, I, I when you never... took a shotgun and blew the heads off a horde of zombies, and and that's an interesting story actually, because I'm not sure if you've taken a chance to look at the corpses littering the walk to uh, to the station, but they are all they're all clones. The zombie, zombie clones of Abbott and Costello. Zombie clones of Abbott and Costello. Uh, it's a very interesting story. That is horrifying. Yes. Uh, How uh, were, were you following this horde of zombie clones, Mr. Wolf? Yes. In addition to uh, having passed the bar exam and being a, uh, a dentist, I'm also a licensed private investigator. Oh, well. And I had been following this, uh, this shadowy syndicate that turned out to have been producing cloning tanks. But they were also next to uh, this genetic research laboratory, and they, they created this zombie gene seed that somehow got into their breeding tanks. And they were using uh, Abbott and Costello's bodies to reproduce lots of clones. What a crazy random happenstance. Well, what you don't know about Abbott and Costello is they both had excellent hearts. When they died, uh, their hearts continued to beat for three and four days, respectively, after their, after all other bodily functions had ceased. That is rather remarkable. So, so scientists decided to harness the power of these two men and, uh, and continue to use their genetic information to make clones to generate uh, 
what do you call it? Basically organ farming. It's not something that I can get behind. In fact, it's something completely unethical, which is why I was unsurprised when the clones became a horde of zombies. Right. So uh, I, I didn't happen to have a shotgun on me. I have, you can see, I have the Smith & Wesson, but that's not enough. You know, you, you got to have bigger firepower. You have to remove the head or destroy the brain. Exactly. Right, yes. So uh, you, you said you were a... a Dentist, a dentist, a a lawyer, yes, and a private investigator, yes. Uh, how uh, how does a wolfman fall into those lines of work? It's a very interesting story. Also, considering I was a women's studies major in college, really, yes. Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll have to pardon me, Mister Wolfman, but uh, that that doesn't seem like uh, the greatest the greatest major for a, a wolfman. Well, I wasn't always a wolfman. You think, the, you know, you don't get born a wolfman. It's a cycle of violence. I uh, see. I was coming home from from a talk being given by uh, by, by Susan Gubar, uh, who was the famous feminist critic, the, the, the media critic, and I was coming home from a talk. Being, this was in the 80s. And, uh, and I was in Greenwich Village, and uh, I, was, I was attacked by a werewolf. You know, because... Because some stereotypes are true. Some werewolves are violent. Some werewolves are dangerous. You can see me right now covered, you know, still a little bit with the icor of the slain zombies. Yeah, it's, it's... I look fearsome. Kind of grossing me out. I have no desire to eat you. I have no desire to eat David. I have no desire to eat you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're, you're welcome. Because uh, we, I, I could see a potential conflict as a werewolf. There. As a werewolf... I, you know, you have to sublimate the desire to eat people. It's not that big of a deal. Well, that's good to know. Well, so so I became a werewolf as an undergraduate. And since then, uh, after I became a werewolf, I decided I was going to, after I finished undergrad, I was going to go to law school. I passed the bar. Um, and then I couldn't get, I couldn't get work in a law firm. So I decided to go back to school. Uh, I became a dentist. Uh, is it because you have such big teeth? <clears throat> I'm sorry. After that, I couldn't get work as a dentist, so I uh, I got a license as a uh, a private investigator. So I'm looking for you know if there's anybody in the St. Louis area that uh, that requires the use of a dentist, you know if you need a dentist practice, I'm available. Uh, if you need legal help, I'm available. If you need a murder solved, I'm available. So you know just now now do you have <clears throat> Wolfman uh, superpowers? That help you in your in your professional life? Nah, not really. Uh, I have an eidetic memory. I, I, I've memorized parts of the tax code. Okay, I, I don't really... realize that wolves could do that. No, that really doesn't have anything to do with. Uh, I, I'm just really furry. Okay, I, I have mild super strength. Like before before the transformation, I could bench press about 120, and then the weeks after, it went up to about like 130, 135. But you had to really try hard. Okay, so you can't like use your like wolfman strength to uh, like rip out people's molars, because that would be awesome. Uh, you know, dentistry is such an exact science. It's, it's too not... ex- too exact for wolfman strength. Uh, too exact for brute force. But I- I'm getting ahead of myself. You people, right? Have, of course. Uh, you know, things to do. Okay, well, thank I'm gonna you. Go, I'm going to go get myself cleaned up. Yeah, you, you should probably do that. Shower off or yeah. shampoo your arms. Takes a lot of shampoo. Yeah, it must. I, I, I buy many, all of my conditioner at Costco. Through? I get the giant economy-sized ones. Right. You know how like they have giant things of ketchup and giant things of pickles? I get, I get my conditioner 
in in gallon containers. Gallon. I I use the suave coconut kind. Oh. Oh, it leaves me feeling so fresh. I can imagine that it, that would have quite a, a pleasant smell. Well, uh, I'll be back. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thank you. Just remember, it's Awareness Week. Support Awu, as you called it. I, you know, that never occurred to me. I'm sorry. I, perhaps that was uncalled. No, it's, it's kind of funny. It's okay. kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> all of these jokes have, to, have a grain of truth. So. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little better. I was kind of embarrassed. No, no, I, I was feeling sort of insensitive. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Roger, or sorry, Dr. Thank you. Dr. Uh, Roger Wolfman. Thank you, Dr. Wolfman. DDS, Esquire, uh, P.I. Yeah, oh, hey. For that's, that's good. Coming into the studio that on my to talk to us and uh, for saving our lives from a horde of ravenous Abbott and Costello zombies. Yep. Okay. Right. Th- uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your time, Mr. Wolfman. All right, I'll, I'll catch you guys around. I'll see you later. Support my cause. All right, bye. What a lovely fellow. Well, yeah, he did smell nice, actually, from, from this corner of the studio. I mean, even with the, even with the icor, I don't know. The I-Corps. The, well, I don't want to talk about somebody behind their back, but it, you know, it he, looked he gross. Had, but actually, he had entrails up to his elbows. Those entrails kind of smelled like gravy. Pleasant gravy mm-hmm. from here. Hmm. Okay. Well, perhaps it it looked worse than it was. Anyway, yeah. listeners, <laughs> I think perhaps it is time we played uh, another <laughs> another segment for you here on the theater of the air. What? Uh, David, ha- tell me, how do you feel about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft? Oh, my God. David, look out the window. Oh, and there's the unblinking eye of horror. Oh, God. Staring into the studio window. Oh, oh my God, so many tentacles. Tentacles and bats. Okay, well, we may have to call back Mr. Wolfman. May- maybe. Uh, and and It's just a giant, gelatinous, yellowy eye. See if he can do anything about the unblinking eye of terror here. It is staring into my soul. In the meantime, we have an H.P. Lovecraft story for you. I feel very small. Uh, called The Terrible Old Man and uh, read for us by uh, the, the lovely and talented Glenn Hallstrom. So we'll we'll uh, sit here and you know uh, descend into sheer maddening terror okay. while you enjoy this wonderful H.P. Lovecraft story. We'll see you in a bit. It wants peanut butter. So much. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. That's L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X dot org. Recorded by me, Glenn Hallstrom, also known as Smokestack Jones. Smokestackjones at gmail.com. You'll also find my blog at toomuchjohnson.blogspot.com. The Terrible Old Man by H.P. Lovecraft It was the design of Angelo Ricci and Joe Sasnack and Manuel Silva to call on the Terrible Old Man. This old man dwells all alone in a very ancient house on Water Street near the sea, and is reputed to be both exceedingly rich and exceedingly feeble, which forms a situation very attractive to men of the profession of Messrs. Ricky, Sasnack, and Silva, for that profession was nothing less dignified than robbery. The inhabitants of Kingsport say and think many things about the terrible old man, which generally keep him safe from the attention of gentlemen like Mr. Ricky and his colleagues, despite the almost certain fact that he hides a fortune of indefinite magnitude somewhere about his musty and venerable abode. He is, in truth, a very strange person, believed to have been the captain of East India clipper ships in his day, 
so that no one can remember when he was young, and so taciturn that few knew his real name. Among the gnarled trees in his front yard of his aged and neglected place he maintains a strange collection of large stones, oddly grouped and painted so that they resemble the idols of some obscure eastern temple. The collection frightens away most of the small boys who love to taunt the terrible old man about his long white hair and beard, or to break into the small paned windows of his dwelling with wicked missiles. But there are other things which frighten the older and more curious folk, who sometimes steal up to the house to peer in through the dusty panes. These folks say that on a table in a large bare room on the ground floor are many peculiar bottles, in each a small piece of lead suspended pendulum-wise from a string. And they say that the terrible old man talks to these bottles, addressing them by such names as Jack, Scarface, Long Tom, Spanish Joe, Peters, and Mate Ellis. And whenever he speaks to a bottle, the little lead pendulum within makes certain definite vibrations, as if in answer. Those who have watched the tall, lean, terrible old man in these peculiar conversations do not watch him again. But Angelo Ricci and Joe Sasnak and Manuel Silva were not of Kingsport blood. They were of that new and heterogeneous alien stock which lies outside the charmed circle of New England life and traditions, and they saw in the terrible old man merely a tottering, almost helpless greybeard, who could not walk without the aid of his knotted cane and whose thin, weak hand shook pitifully. They were really quite sorry in their way for the lonely, unpopular old fellow whom everybody shunned, and at whom the dogs barked singularly. But business is business, and to a robber whose soul is in his profession, there is a lure and a challenge about a very old and very feeble man who has no account at the bank, and who pays for his few necessities at a village store with Spanish gold and silver minted two centuries ago. Messrs. Ricky, Sasnak, and Silva selected the night of April 11th for their call. Mr. Ricky and Mr. Silva were to interview the poor old gentleman, whilst Mr. Sasnak waited for them in their presumable metallic burden with a covered motor car on Ship Street by the gate in the tall rear wall of the host's grounds. Desire to avoid needless explanations in case of unexpected police intrusions prompted these plans for a quiet and unisentatious departure. As prearranged, the three adventurers started out separately in order to prevent any evil-minded suspicions afterwards. Messrs. Ricky and Silva met at Water Street by the old man's front gate, and although they did not like the way the moon shone down upon the painted stones through the budding branches of the gnarled trees, they had more important things to think about than mere idle superstition. They feared it might be unpleasant work making the terrible old man loquacious concerning his hoarded gold and silver, for aged sea captains are notably stubborn and perverse. Still, he was very old and very feeble, and there were two visitors. Messrs. Ricky and Silva were experienced in the art of making unwilling persons voluble, and the screams of a weak and exceptionally vulnerable man can be easily muffled. So they moved up to the one lighted window and heard the terrible old man talking childishly to his bottles with pendulums. Then they donned masks and knocked politely at the weather-stained oaken door. Waiting seemed very long to Mr. Sasnak as he fidgeted restlessly in the covered motor-car by the terrible old man's gate on Ship Street. He was more than ordinarily tender-hearted, and he did not like the hideous screams that he had heard in the ancient house just after the hour appointed for the deed. Had he not told his colleagues to be as gentle as possible with the pathetic old sea captain? Very nervously he watched that narrow oaken gate on the high and ivy-clad stone wall. Frequently he consulted his watch and wondered at the delay. Had the old man died before revealing where his treasure was hidden and the thorough search became necessary? Mr. Sasnak did not like to wait so long in the dark in such a place. 
Then he sensed the soft tread or tapping on the walk inside the gate, heard a gentle fumbling at the rusty latch, and saw the narrow, heavy door swing inward. And in the pallid glow of the single dim street lamp he strained his eyes to see what his colleagues had brought out of that sinister house which loomed so close behind. But when he looked, he did not see what he had expected, for his colleagues were not there at all, but only the terrible old man, leaning quietly on his knotted cane and smiling hideously. Mr. Sasnack had never before noticed the color of that man's eyes. Now he saw that they were yellow. Little things make considerable excitement in little towns, which is the reason that Kingsport people talked all that spring and summer about the three unidentifiable bodies horribly slashed as with many cutlasses and horribly mangled as by the tread of many cruel boot-heels which the tide washed in. And some people even spoke of things as trivial as the deserted motor-car found on Ship Street, or certain especially inhuman cries, probably of a stray animal or migratory bird, heard in the night by wakeful citizens. But in this idle village gossip the terrible old man took no interest at all. He was by nature reserved, and when one is aged and feeble one's reserve is doubly strong. Besides, so ancient a sea captain must have witnessed scores of things much more stirring in the far-off days of his unremembered youth. The End of The Terrible Old Man by H. P. Lovecraft And we're back here on KWUR 90.3 FM, Clayton. You are listening to the K-Worth Theater of the Air, and we are going to be right back.
Get your smoky on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. A public service message brought to you by Smokey the Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. You're listening to KWU. Beep! Start over. You're listening to KWUR Clayton 90.3 FM, and this is the Kworth Theater of the Air. Ah, that creeping horror by the window. Uh, Dr. Dr. Wolfman, uh, DDS, uh, PhD, wait, no, what is he? DDS uh, Esquire. Dr. Roger Wolfman, DDS Esquire, PI. Came, came by with like a bucket of holy water and, and splashed it on the thing and it, it disintegrated into purple smoke. Uh, and it it disappeared. Right, uh, it was something horrific. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think I think it may have been uh, Nyarleth, uh he whose name is Madness to the ears of men, the unblinking oh, yeah. eye of terror. Nyarleth Otep, he's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's gone now, fortunately. Yeah, and we can move on with our lives. Mm. Quite frankly, it's it's a little strange and coincidental that uh, <sighs> we're having. Zombies and old gods uh, assaulting the station on mm. a on an episode where we have a horror theme. Hold on, that's that's very strange. Hold on, I'm sitting on something. Are you? Oh, um, yeah. This what has been under my chair the whole time. Is that this is a statue of uh, of Cthulhu, the old god? David. Oops, I didn't mean to bring it to the station. David, what have I told you about putting statues of Cthulhu in your back pocket before coming to the radio station? I forgot about it. I bought it at an antique shop yesterday. And and the the guy at the store gave me a very good price on it, right? It was 350 and two drops of my blood. What do could you describe this guy? Okay, he was about five six. Um, he was about three hundred pounds. His skin was sort of greenish. He had kind of gray splotches around the neck. Um, he had a very long tongue. I noticed he he like licked his lips, but it went all the way to his eye. Yeah, that's not normal, David. Well, I, I don't judge. Uh, I I would have. Well, I would have in that situation. That's because you're racist. I'm not racist. I'm I'm not racist. I'm just uh, cautious. Well, you know, some people are demons, and you have to watch out for that because they'll sell you statues of Cthulhu that you bring to the radio station, and then they attract horrible things like zombies and uh, uh, Nyathan, uh, whatever his name was. I just think you're exhibiting prejudice towards <laughs> the differently Nyar- sold. Nyarlan Thotep. Nyarlan Thotep, yeah. Uh, that, that guy. Old god of, of doom. He's a jerk. Well, I, I believe that, that about that about ends it for this episode, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I think we are running out the clock. I think we're good. Why don't we Why don't we take a little preview of that is a fine plan of uh, what's to come for next week? Yeah, less horror, uh, more pirates. I'm gonna get rid of this in a fire. <laughs> you do that. That was spooky. That was a fire. Oh, that was a fire. That was very spooky. That was spooky fire. Well, I mean, it was the uh, the horrible statue of Cthulhu being consumed in like flame, like in greenish the undying flames. flames. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I didn't. Ex- I just like I lit it and it went. <laughs> I mean, you heard what it did. I did. Uh, and now a short preview of next week's exciting show. News on the march. The year is 1933. Villainy festers in the heart of Europe. 
This is the weapon the Reich didn't know it wanted, ladies and gentlemen. If you just power it up and... Cool alliances form! Surely, you see the potential in this airship. I can secure you a contract, you know. A very lucrative one. You get this airship operational. It can leave at a moment's notice. Only one crew of rogues can stop them. We've got work to do. And their captain is this man. Gentlemen, my keen deductive sense tells me we've been boarded. Experience the thrill of aerial combat. They are shooting at me. But don't get shot. You're a help. Quake at the deeds of dastardly villains. You will not cross me. You will not lie to me. You will not conceal your plans from me or so help me. I'll string you up and gut you like a Christmas pig. Listen in suspense as a lone band of Corsairs. We're a little boat. And Grupp Zeppelin is, by accounts, a great and gun-heavy ship of the line. If you stay on the Beagle, though, you're with me. Takes on the greatest threat the world has ever known. I'm with you, Captain. As am I. Who else will stand with Captain Nash, you great lot of Wazaks? Listen to Sky Pirates! Yeah! Scrambles the drums! After that airship! Next wave sighted! Ready! You weren't expecting that, now were you? No! Neither was I! Tune into KWUR 90.3 FM or KWUR.com on Sunday the 27th for the high-flying adventure of Sky Pirates! Taggart, did you bring grenades? Captain, my god, we're in a public place. Taggart, did you bring grenades? Yes. So be sure to listen next week for that because it's going to be a mighty fine time. Oh, yes, it is indeed. But speaking of time, <sighs> we are out of it. Yep. Here comes the music. Here it comes indeed. That right, means it's, the end of the show. It is go time. It is leaving times. All right. This has been the K-Word Theater of the Air here on KWUR 90.3 FM. My name is David Brunel Brutman. I'm David Reinstrom. Our producer this week was uh, Nyarla Thotep, uh, he whose name I'm gonna let you strikes finish. madness. I'm going to let you finish. But Kanye I just got to say, I just got to say. Cthulhu was the best executive producer of all time. Mr. West. That's all, bye. Okay, Kanye West, everybody. Thanks, Kanye. <laughs> that guy's a jackass. Simon Colt and the Monster of Horse Killed Canyon this week, starring Mike LeFemin, Jim Wolfe, Willis Garcini, Brent Rubin, and me, David Reinstrom. Written and directed by Ruben Basker, and music by Evan Kuhn. Our opening theme music is by Peter McConnell, and this lovely closing song is by Mark O'Connor. Thank you, folks. We'll see you next week here on the Theater of the Air. Yippee-ki-yay-yay. Yay.